We are wrapping up our Not Easily Broken Relationship series today, and I have thoroughly enjoyed um, this series that I've got to see God just move in miraculous ways, and uh, we've talked about relationships that are not easily broken, uh, with the knowing of that we are in a world, we're in a culture, and we have an enemy that is trying to break us. Just acknowledging that, that we have things that are trying to break us and break off our most important relationship, our relationship between us and our Heavenly Father. And our whole focus of this series was for us to build relationships that can stand, that can stand trials, that can stand um, frustrations and anger, and we've talked about families and marriages and um, uh, friends, and and today we're going to jump into relationships in the workplace, uh, and, or you could put this as relationships in the workplace or the world. How are we supposed to, to live and have not easily broken relationships in the world, in the workplace that we live in? And I just want to make sure we're clear on this. This is not a checklist on how not to get fired. Um, I, I, can't, I can't guarantee that. If, if some of you are in trouble at work and you go in tomorrow, like, hey, Shane gave me the answers. It might be too late. I don't know. Um, But we're going to talk about how to have relationships in this world, in this workplace, that are not easily broken. It really comes down to me, when you think about the workplace, your work life, your work world, the world that we live in, the the main key for me, uh, where I see these relationships broken and fractured, is when there's a separation of church life and work life. Uh, and I know that some of us, we have this separation. We, we compartmentalize these parts of our life. Okay, so I have my, I have my church. I have my God. I have, I have Jesus. And, and, you know, on Sunday, I give him everything. I, I worship him. I, I even put my hands up sometimes. I, 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 I sing songs. But when Monday hits, it's time to get to work. It's, it's work life. Now, I'm not saying that working is a, a bad thing or working hard is a, a, hard, a, a bad thing. But what I am saying is when there's a separation in our life where we've divided these two worlds, we have our church self and our world self, and they coexist in our life. When we live that way, the enemy is just waiting to pick us off in those moments. Because he knows you can't sustain a not easily broken relationship with God one day a week. He's trying to convince us to separate that. When it it comes to uh, things like uh, MySpace, not the website, that's long gone. Some of the the high school students are like, MySpace, what's that? Um, It was a thing. not MySpace, the computer program, but MySpace, like my personal space. This is my area. Anybody have that in their life? Like this is the place that no one else gets into. This is, you know, for me, I have a room in my house. has sports stuff everywhere. We call it the duck room because I'm an Oregon Ducks fan. And it's like that's my space. You know, maybe, it's, maybe you got a she shed. Maybe, maybe you got... Um, a place at Lake Tahoe that's secret and that's just your space. Where, where that becomes dangerous is when we start to have these areas in our life personally that when it comes to our relationship with God, we say, okay, God, you can have these. But when it comes to my work, my company, my employees, my coworkers, I'll deal with that. 
That's my space. That's my world. And we separate the two. And, and when we think through this, as we think through uh, having relationships with the world and the workplace that are not easily broken, I want you to think of this phrase throughout the whole thing. Do unto the Lord. Say it with me, everybody. Say, do unto the Lord. Well, that, that's the theme of what we're going to talk about, doing unto the Lord, working and glorifying him and praising him with how we interact with the world. Um, Colossians 3 23 and 24 says this, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord. What this is saying here is it's painting this picture of us as Christians. When we go to the work, when we work or we work with people, we work with a mindset of we're not just working for a company. We're not just working for an employer. We're not just working for a coworker. We're not just engaging with the, the world for this person or that person. Everything we do, we willingly serve God. I, I mean, if I ended the sermon right here, I mean, just hear me out. Some of you are like, yes, early lunch. If I ended the sermon right here and I said, okay, all of us in this room, are going to go out tomorrow. We are going to glorify the Lord with it when we're at work. We're going to serve him with how we treat people. We're going to treat people like Christ calls us to treat people. And we're going to give every moment of our day, every day of the week to Jesus. Wouldn't that just be enough? I feel like that's the whole sermon. If, if, imagine how different the world could look. Imagine how different the city of Reno could look if we got this mindset that we're not working to survive. Christ gives us life. We are working to honor him. It goes on to say this, remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. This goes again to the separation. I serve Jesus on Sunday and then on Tuesday I'm the boss. Monday I'm the boss. Or I serve Jim or Karen. Uh, there's no separation here. Everything we do. Every action we do on a daily basis, we should have the mindset of serving Jesus. When we give God our workspace, when we give him our, our area, when we give him those corners of our life that we hold on to, our work, our, our spots in the world, there's certain things that we do. When we give this to God, number one, we honor God. We honor him when we submit our life to him in a way that's saying, you can have everything, Lord. You can have my job. You can have my, my, my fun activities. You can have my, my Saturdays. I am serving you. We're bringing honor to him. The second thing it does is it keeps us on mission. It keeps us on mission. It's hard to stay on a mission that is glorifying Christ and reaching people for the gospel if our mission focus we only think of one day a week. When we, when we go to our workplace with a mission to serve Jesus and to honor Jesus, it helps us stay in that mode. It helps us stay mission-focused. And the third thing it does when we give God our workspace is we worship him. We worship him. Now, just want to make sure we're clear. Worship is not just singing. It's not just lights. It's not, you, here's, do you know you don't even need a drum set to worship? I know. You know you don't even need lights to worship. 
That is one way we worship here. We come together and we corporately sing and lift praises to Jesus, but a worshipful lifestyle is what I'm talking about here. Submitting ourselves to Christ in a place of submission, even when we worship and we raise our hands, it's a sign of surrender. When we sing these, uh, these songs and we, we raise our hands, we're saying, I surrender to you, Jesus. And the question is, do we surrender him our week? Do we surrender him our week? Do we, do we surrender him our time or our work and choose to glorify him? So if we're going to have not easily broken relationships in the marketplace, in the world, in our jobs, we're just going through a couple things here that I think can help us. Number one, the number one thing I think we can do to help us be great representatives of Christ, submitting to him and not having easily broken relationships is we can be respectful. Respectful. I know that sounds silly, easy, simple, but is it? Is respect a normal thing in our world? No. And I know some of you are like, okay, that sounds simple, Shane. But the truth is, as Christians, we are called to be holy, to be set apart. That's what that word means. To live a holy life means to live a life that's set apart, set aside to glorify Jesus. So in a world that doesn't value things like respect and honor, as a Christian, we are supposed to not be of the world. We're supposed to live differently. You with me? And so if we have a respectful mindset when it comes to our relationship with the workplace, it might look something like this. First Peter, this is what he, uh, this passage has to say about being respectful. First Peter 2.13, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. All human authority. If you have your Bible, I want you to do a big circle around all or underline all. I know for some of you, like, all human authority. Christ is saying here, as a Christian, as a Christ follower, we are called to submit to the authorities over us, to respect them, to honor them. And this isn't saying, at least this is not how I read it, it doesn't say, for the Lord's sake, submit to the authorities you like. Or what, uh, for the Lord's sake, submit to the authorities that benefit you. Submit to the authorities you agree with. No, it says submit to all human authority. Again, this is the idea of being set apart, going against the grain of culture and society. We can be respectful in our workplace by submission to authority and honor Christ with that. What does that look like for us? Just a couple things. What does that look like for us to be a respectful member in our relationship in the workplace? The first thing, I think it looks like someone who doesn't gossip. I'm just going to stand on my, my soapbox for a second and talk about gossip. Gossip is hurting our world. It's hurting our culture. It's affecting our families because it's become so norm. I mean, you don't think I'm right on that? Look at the TV shows we watch. We have whole TV shows that are built about people talking negatively about people behind their back. These reality shows of like, the person's in the room, they're like, yes, I love you, I totally agree with you. They leave the room, like, can you believe her? <laughs> Unreal. I mean, you're like, oh, that's not how we do it, but we do that. When it comes to gossip in our workplace, when we're in our, the world, are we saying one thing? Are we projecting something? But when that person's not in the room, are we really still submitting to their authority, or are we gossiping about them behind their back? 
Are we tearing them down with our words? Are we hurting them? Hurting their character? Hurting their influence? By how we are talking about them. The second thing it looks like is I think it comes with no schemes. To be respectful in the world, in the workplace, I think we have to get out of this scheming mindset, which some of we have. Uh, it's, it's part of the problem with the human race is we have this disease of wanting to get to the top. And we will do whatever it takes to get there. You know, I find that interesting because we serve a Jesus that came from the top to where? The bottom. Lowered himself. Lowered himself and gave of himself. And so when, when we approach our relationship with the workplace, we have to trust not in the schemes and the plans to get to the top and make this person look bad or make sure that the boss knows that this person messes up so I can be lifted. We have to instead trust that the Savior, Creator, universe of the world will be the one that will control our lifting. It's not about our schemes or our plans, tearing people down. It's about being respectful and trusting in Jesus to elevate us. You still with me? Second thing, couple of you are. Second thing we can do is we can practice honesty. Honesty. Proverbs 12, says this, the Lord detests lying lips, but delights in those who tell the truth. I don't know about you, but detests doesn't seem like a fun word. Seems pretty bad. The Lord detests lying lips, but it delights in those who tell the truth. As we engage with the world and the workplace, we should be practicing honesty. Honesty. Not coming with a false balance, as Scripture puts it. It says this in Proverbs 11, verse 1. The Lord detests, again, there's that word, really doesn't like this, detests. The use of dishonest scales, but he delights in accurate weights. It's talking about the marketplace here, people who would weight the scale to get more money from this merchant or, or um, hedge something to, to get more from them and lie about the, what they were giving them back. It says he detests this kind of mindset. He, 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 he wants us to be truth tellers and people of our word who can be counted on. He wants us to be this kind of person. Let's say, let's say we're all Jim. We're all going to be Jim. He wants us to be Jim, who when his boss, something goes missing in the store or in the restaurant or in the workplace or money's mishandled and something's wrong. The first thing he wants to hear is, oh, it couldn't have been Jim. Because he's, he's, he's proven truthfulness. He's always been honest. He's always been submissive. He's always been respectful. Couldn't have been Jim. We need to practice honesty. And when it comes to honesty, I think we mix this up. We want to invite people here to church on Sundays and say, hey, trust me, Jesus is the Messiah. Trust my word, Jesus is good. Trust in what the pastor says. Trust. I vouch trust. But then when it comes to our life, our Monday through Saturday, we're scheming and lying. How do we expect people to hear our message of trusting in Jesus when we can't even practice honesty ourselves? We have to 
practice honesty in our relationship with that because this is something that will break us, especially the church's relationship to the world. When we claim to be a Christian and we fly that banner over our life and we lie and we cheat and we steal, the world looks at us and says, is that what Christ is? I don't want that. We have to practice honesty. The third thing we can do is we can be grace-giving. It says this in Ephesians 2, 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for that. It is a gift from God. Hear me clearly on this. The people around you don't have to earn your grace. They don't. They don't, they don't have to earn you showing them grace. Because if that was the case, we should be held to the same standard in our relationship with Jesus. It was by him giving us grace that we find salvation. We are called as Christians to show grace when we're in the world, when we're in the workplace. Now I know some, some of us might be struggling with this. And you're like, here goes another message just about grace. Shane, where's the biblical truth? Where's the truth? Shane, I get it. We're supposed to show grace and love people and sacrifice ourselves. But where's the truth, Shane? As a Christian, I'm also called to go into the workplace and share the truth of Jesus. Share the truth of his word. That's true. I think that there's a balance that goes with these two things. There's grace and there's truth. We can't lean too heavy into truth and have no grace because we're lopsided. We can't lean too heavy just into grace and have no truth because then we're lopsided. We're called to be right in the middle in this tension point of grace and truth. Jesus shows us a great picture of this and interacting with the world, interacting with the people of a society, what we should do as a representative of him. There's a story in scripture of a woman who was caught in the act of adultery and she's brought to Jesus. And the, the religious leaders are trying to trick Jesus in this moment to get him to say something that trips him up or goes against the law so they can condemn him. And they bring her to Jesus and they say, Jesus, the law requires that we kill her for her sins she committed. We stone her. We end her life for what she did. And just remember, they're trying to trick Jesus here silly move trying to trick God now we don't know exactly what is written next but Jesus does something he bends over he gets really low and he bends over and he begins to write in the sand now we don't know exactly what is written but I think of it this way the woman standing there I mean I can't imagine the shame she's feeling the regret she's feeling the hurt, the fear she's feeling. Jesus could have done this. He could have went down the sand and begin to, I, I imagine him looking at someone in the eye, one of the men bringing her to him and writing his sins down in the sand as he looks at him. And then he begins to write over here and he looks at this leader and he looks right over here and he looks at this leader and scripture tells us that the men began to leave one by one until there was no one there besides Jesus and the woman. 
Jesus paints this beautiful picture of standing in grace for someone. The world might have turned on you. You might have messed up horribly. You, you might have made a bunch of mistakes, but I'm gonna stand in the gap for you. That's what Jesus does in this moment. And then he asks her this question, woman, who here condemns you? No one, Lord. And then he says this. This is where we see the balance of grace and truth. Then he says, now go and sin no more. The truth follows an amazing act of grace. I think we should take that in our relationship with the world, being grace-giving to people, being people who stand in the gap for others. When everybody else turns on them, when, when their life is falling apart, when they are broken or they're, they're just at the end of their rope, we will be the ones that will stand in the gap to show them love, to show them the peace of Jesus. So then we can share with them the truth of who he is. We can't have, say it with me, we can't have grace. Say, you guys can say it with me. We can't have grace. without, one more time, you guys are leaning too heavy on grace. Yeah, we can't have grace. without, grace. there you go. There's a balance there. But we are called to be grace giving. And hear my heart on this. It is easy to be gracious and grace giving to easy people. The ones we like, the ones that benefit us. It is hard to be grace-giving to hard people. The ones who hurt us, the ones that are broken, the ones that are just hard to be in relationship with. But that's what we're called to do by Christ. The fourth thing we can do to be in a relationship with the workplace and the world that is not easily broken is we can be passionate, passionate. Have you ever seen someone in the workplace or in the world that's just happy? No, just me. Like, almost like sometimes you see them like almost annoyed how happy they are. Like, how are you happy? Don't you know what's happening in our world? Don't you know what struggles we're facing? And they're just overjoyed. I thought of this, this story came to mind as I was writing this. That I remember a time I was at a grocery store in Sacramento and there was this lady, sweetest lady. She had the biggest smile on her face. And she would purposely talk to everyone and just be like on mission, purposeful. And you could just tell that the joy of the Lord was in this woman. And her line was so long. And it wasn't because she was slow. It wasn't because she was being purposeful. It was because the other cashier was a real grumps, real angry kid. And he would just, do you want two of these or one? Let's buy one. And I saw people standing close, almost ready to go, and they would see him interacting with the people like, nope, I'm going the long line. I'm going to the nice old lady with the joy of Jesus in her heart. When it comes to being passionate, this is kind of what I'm talking about here. As a representative of Christ, we go, wherever we go, we represent him. And we should with a passionate zeal. That even if we, 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 we are 
fed up with our job. We're tired of bagging groceries. We're, we're tired of working in the mechanic shop. We're tired of our accounting job. It doesn't give us an excuse to step off mission. We're still on mission. We should be passionate about serving Jesus. It says this in 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. And now, and now, at the end, the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I think this is the mindset, this passionate mindset that we should be taking into our workplaces, into the world. That we, we are running this race for Jesus. We're fighting this fight for Jesus. It's not just about the sprint on Sundays. Gosh, I, I get really passionate about this because I can't imagine what the, the city would look like, what the world would look like if I, if I saw people serve Jesus with how passionately I see them worship him on Sundays. I, I just, what does it look like for us as the church to have that passion, to say, Jesus, here's my Monday, here's my Tuesday, here's my Wednesday. Yes, I might be in a job I don't like, but I'm going to glorify you. I'm going to be passionate. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be on mission. I'm going to respect people and be honest so I can be a good missionary for you. I can tell you this isn't easy. It's not easy. I, I used to be in customer service. It's hard. When I was a sandwich artist at Subway, yes, I said sandwich artist. It was art. I, I, I had this mindset. I was just like, I just need to get these people out the door. I want to be done at 3 p.m. and be done with my day. As the Christian, a Christ follower, we can't live that way. Every single person we encounter, every single person we work for, every single co-worker we have is someone who needs us to be what we say we are. To show the joy of the Lord, to be passionate, to be respectful and honest. That's our mission. And it's every day of the week. Amen? As we wrap up this series, Not Easily Broken, I want to just paint this picture. We've talked week after week about specific relationships that when we give them to God, they're not easily broken. The whole reason we've done this series is to get us to the place where we start surrendering the areas of our life, the relationships of our life, giving them to Christ giving him control. But the truth is, is, I think sometimes we can be really good at giving a little bit. Like I, 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 that, sermon, that sermon got me, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of my life to him. I'll give this area. And I, I wanna just show you something real quick, what that looks like. Can you guys bring this out real quick? Come on out. When it comes to our life and this rope, 
represents our connection to God and, and the things that we're giving to him. The areas of our life, this is that rope life. This is that one thing I'm ready to give to God. And why I say this is because when it comes to the fight we're in, when it comes fighting for relationships that are not easily broken, we think of the enemy, we think of the world we're facing, we think of the culture, and we think of his schemes as small. I don't really need to give everything to God. I don't really need to give everything to Christ because if I'm honest with myself, I don't think the enemy is really packing that big of a punch. We think that the blade that he's trying to cut our rope with is like this. This little blade. In the world that we're facing, this little blade, and he's just sawing away. And nothing's happening. But but what the truth is, is this is not the tools we're facing here. This isn't the size of the battle we're in. This isn't the size of the attack we're facing. It's more something like this. Can you bring this out? You guys okay? It's this. It's not like it's some little battle that we can just kind of mosey around in. And hope we're okay. If we want to be not easily broken and have our relationships stand strong, we have to acknowledge that we're facing an enemy, a world, a culture that's doing everything to break it. And it doesn't take much. It doesn't take much when we give a little bit because there's not much there to stand on. That frustration, that hurt, that illness, that financial problem, that mistake that I made, the, the conversation with my family, the, the thing that my wife said to me, all these little things. Can, if there's only one part of our life that's connected to the Father, there's easy things that can break us. But when it looks like this, this is more sturdy of a rope. And do you notice that there's multiple ropes woven in between, connecting us to our heavenly Father. This is every area of our life. This is our marriage, our kids, our our finances, our work, our friends. And we're saying, God, we trust you with all of it. Now, this mighty attack, this enemy, he can start hacking and nothing happens. It might fracture the strains a little bit. It might hurt a little bit. And what, what, what if he really starts his? What if he starts hacking away at our life? What if he starts hacking away at our finances? What if he starts hacking away at our marriages? When God is in control of everything, it's not easily broken. We serve a God that says, give me everything and let him come. Because when you connect to me, he won't break you. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, come on. Someone come take this. I don't trust myself. Thank you. That's what it's supposed to look like. It's the point of this whole series. It's not give God some things. It's give God everything. So when those attacks come, when things come to break you, you'll be able to stand strong, stand the trials, Stand up to the enemy and say, yeah, that hurt. That really hurt. 
but you didn't break me. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for giving us this time in your word and pushing us to have relationships with you. They're not easily broken. I pray that as we go about our week, you'd pull us close to you. That would give you everything, God. Every area. That it would no longer just be my space or my area. It would be yours. Everything. We love you and we praise you. In your holy name. Amen.